Uh, Would you join me uh, in praying as we come to the word this morning? Lord Jesus, we've come to meet with you this morning. We just sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you come and be present with us this morning? Lord, I know of uh, some of the needs that are happening in our body right now and uh, even in our community and in our world, some of the things that are heavy on our hearts and we don't need you to move from afar. We need you to be present in the midst of it with us because where you are, things are different. So would you just make your presence known to us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've been thinking uh, about the Christmas season, actually until about Tuesday of this week, I forgot it was the Christmas season. Uh, I'm not the most sentimental person in the world. I looked at my watch and I went, oh, December. Something happens in December. And then it dawned on me. Uh, We should have been singing Christmas hymns last week, but I forgot that it was the Christmas season. Uh, this is the pastor that serves you. This is, this is the choice you have made for yourselves. So as I've started uh, thinking about the Christmas season this week, I started asking just the question, what, what is Christmas about? Like, why is Christmas a thing? Uh, because we have to understand that Christmas is not some biblical thing. What I mean by that is this. You will find no verse that says on the 25th day of December, celebrate the birth of the Lord. Uh, you, you won't find any passage that tells us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We'll find the story of it. But at some point in time, some church leaders went, hey, you know what would be a good idea? If every year we stopped and we remembered that Jesus came to earth as a baby. The first Christmas was actually in the year 336. So over 300 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, somebody went, hey, I have an idea. What if we took time every single year and we told that story? It'd be good if we had some songs that went with it and traditions have been created and all of this stuff. But understanding it's not a biblical thing. It's a man-made thing. And oftentimes when in church you say something's man-made, it's a way of saying it's bad. You know, there's God-made, which is good, and there's man-made, which is typically bad. This is not that. But some point, some man decided, or a group of men, this is what, something we should do as a church. And it became kind of the rule for church. And now it's become this big cultural thing as well. But in the year 336, or somewhere around then, Christmas was invented, and it was invented with a very specific reason in mind. And I think if we're really going to appreciate Christmas season, if we're really going to be the kind of people God is calling us to be during the Christmas season, we have to understand why it was invented so that it can do its work in us. I think we have to allow Christmas to do a very specific work in us. When when they created Christmas, it wasn't something they did one time and went, there, I think we're good. I think they get it. They said, we actually should probably do this every single year. We need to keep bringing this one back up. And that follows a very biblical tradition. In the Old Testament, 
there was a huge number of feasts and festivals and celebrations that happened every single year. And most of those were set by God himself, where he told them, hey, on the seventh day of the seventh month, stop for a week and celebrate this thing and do it in this way. And he kind of gave them very specific things. And it was always to remember something that God had done. On this day, at this time, I want you to celebrate in this way because it will remind you that it was the Lord your God that delivered Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. Or it was on this day that I want you to remember that God did this miraculous thing, that God worked on behalf of his people, whatever it was. And it was almost a feast and a celebration every single month. They had these times to stop and to pause and to reflect. Why did God tell them, do this every single year? Why was there this repetitive nature to it? When they came up with Christmas, why every single year? Because these are meant to be times of refocusing. We we talked last week about the lenses that we view life through. And we looked at John chapter 9, where where Jesus healed a man born blind from birth. And he heals him. And we talked about how all of those around him, the Pharisees, the family and friends, even the disciples, they were viewing the situation through the wrong lens and they missed what Jesus was doing. You guys remember that? Christmas is meant to be one of those times of asking some questions and going, am I viewing things through the right lens? We need this yearly reminder to come back and to refocus on what's most important. Paul puts it like this in Romans 12 too, a very familiar verse for most of us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another way to say this is the refocusing of your mind. And this is not a once and done thing. This is this process that happens. The way that it would actually be written in the Greek is Keep being renewed in your minds. Keep being transformed as you keep being renewed. Oftentimes we come to something like the Christmas story and we go, oh, I've heard this before. I love this one. And it kind of becomes so familiar that we forget the impact that it's meant to have. We forget to actually do Christmas right because we love the traditions, because we love this and that, because we've heard the story so many times it starts to lose impact on us. It was never meant to be a once and done thing. Hear the story, understand the information, you're good. But it was set up to be this yearly reminder, this yearly time to refocus on what's most important. Because we have to understand that refocusing, it's, it's taken off the old pair of lenses and putting on the new ones. It's taken off the old way of seeing life and putting on Jesus' way of seeing life. But here's the problem. The old way of seeing things, it has a certain gravity to it. It always pulls us back. We we are entrenched in a culture that is always telling us to see life the old way. And naturally, we start to kind of drift back. And we need these times in our lives to go, oh, hey, wait. That's what's most important. And to readjust, to realign ourselves. And Christmas is meant to be one of those times. Stop just going through life as you normally would. Ask some different questions. Refocus. Let's tell the story because in the story, it points to what's truly most important. Hopefully nothing I'm saying here today is new. It's not meant to be. 
It's meant to be that time to cause you to stop and to refocus. You've heard it before, but don't miss it. Christmas points to what's most important. Christmas was created as a yearly time to refocus, to reestablish what's most important. Let's illustrate this. Let's look at Christmas itself. What does our culture tell us is Christmas is really about? What does our culture tell us that, let's just look at this season, not even life as a whole, but just Christmas. What does our culture tell us Christmas is really about? Gifts? What else? Parties. Parties? Family, sharing what you have. What else? Uh, a time of peace and goodwill. Peace and goodwill toward men. Yeah. What else? You've seen Hallmark movies. What else? There's, there's traditions that come at Christmas. Christmas is about a feeling that we get inside when we hear that music, when we see those lights, when the presents are under the tree. and <sighs> Culture is, tells us Christmas is about all these different things. And, and here's the really insidious part. Here's the tricky part. Anything that we just mentioned, is it evil? Is it good? Yeah. Everything we just mentioned is good. That's the trickiest part. Is family good? Yes. Is, is traditions that, that bring about just a sense of peace and like, oh, I love this time. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Gifts. Oh, this is a tricky one for Americans. Are gifts good? Yes. We serve a heavenly father who gives every good gift under heaven. We love gifts because he loves gifts. All of these things are good. That's the trickiest part. But all of them, when they're put as like the crown jewel, this is what it's about. All of them cause us to lose focus. And here's the tricky part again, family. We're surrounded by this 24-7. You can't turn on your TV, the radio in your car. You can't go to Walmart. You can't have conversations with people at work and not have this cultural perspective coming at you. It is a regular thing. It's so ingrained that we don't even really notice that it's happening. And we have to be really careful to stop and to refocus. Think about this, how many times, it's December 12th, so how many times in the last 12 days have you had conversations with people about Christmas? Family, friends, uh, spouses, coworkers, neighbors, whatever it may be, you've had conversations about Christmas. How many of those references to Christmas were you specifically talking about the birth of our Lord and Savior? Not many. Most of the time we're setting up plans and we're telling people, here's what I'm going to be doing with my family and here's my favorite traditions. And I've heard people arguing over what's the best Christmas movie. And that one doesn't even count. That's not really a Christmas movie. And they go back and forth. And every time Christmas is thrown around, it has all of these other meanings attached to it. And we're so used to it, we don't even see it. And the point of the Christmas season is to stop and to refocus. What is this really about? Christmas is, like, Christmas as a season, I, I struggle with it. Again, I'm not sentimental. That's not a shock to any of you. But I struggle with it. But what Christmas is trying to point us to, it's foundational 
for all of our lives. And I'm not talking about the Luke chapter 2 story of a baby in a manger and, oh, it's so cute. And we have the little sets up over there that remind us of the shepherds. And, oh, none of it's bad, but none of it's really the point. And we can get lost in that if we're not careful. We have to allow Christmas to do its true work, its refocusing work in us. The question is how? You guys ready for this? Super deep. By receiving and giving presents. Chris, try the next Okay, okay, okay. By receiving and giving presents. Now here's the thing, I just coined that. Presence and presence. No one else in Elkins is doing that today. Tying those two things together, that is completely unique with me. Untrue. <laughs> Again, this is not a novel thing. This is something you have probably heard before, but I simply want to call us back to refocus. We have to allow Christmas to do its true refocusing work in us by receiving and giving presence. P R E S E N C E. For anyone listening online later, they're going to be like, what's he talking about? So let's start with receiving presents. The point of the Christmas season is to remember, to refocus, that on that day, 2,000 years ago, God's presence invaded his creation in a profound and new way. And were there shepherds there and angels singing and prophecies fulfilled? Yes, but none of those is the point. That's the bells and whistles. Don't get distracted. What was really going on was the presence of God breaking into his creation like had never happened before or since. In a completely unique and profound way, God made his presence known to his people. It was no longer about, okay, where does God live? Let me, it's, it's number one, temple drive. That's where God lives. It's the big gold house on the hill. You can't miss it. That up until this point in human history, God had an address. And now God says, I'm doing something different. I'm going to move to where they live. I'm no longer going to be found at that temple. I'm coming to where you live. It is about his presence moving and dwelling among us. As I was getting ready for this morning... I realized I should have talked with Shirley. You ever had somebody completely steal your thunder? The passage that Shirley read this morning in John chapter one, I was like, as she starts reading it, I lean over to Natalie and I'm like, who does she think she is? That's where I'm going. Get, get your own verse, Shirley. But what Shirley pointed out is exactly where I want to go this morning. When I think of the Christmas story, I don't go to Luke chapter two. And there's nothing wrong with that here. Some people are sentimental and that, that whole story just really speaks to them of the way that God came into the world and the vulnerability of the whole thing. It's a beautiful story. But when I think of the Christmas story, I go to John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. We're going to pause right there. 
Listen to the scope that John is trying to convey. John is talking about a very specific presence. And he goes, this presence has been around since the beginning. It was somehow with God and God at the same time. It's this crazy thing. When he uses the word word there in capital W, word, in the Greek, it's the word logos. And what he's trying to convey is it's this idea that is beyond words. It's this thing that's behind everything else. It's bigger than something we can capture with language. And so they chose word as the translation for it. It's kind of a weird thing, but he's going, this presence that is so big, we can't even capture it with words. It's been there from the beginning. It was with God. And actually at the same time, it was God. It's always been him. Everything that has ever been created came through him. Nothing that has ever been was without him. He was the light of the world. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. He's trying to kind of give you some scope, this cosmic scale, the biggest, most powerful thing you can imagine. Every, it's the beginning of everything. Everything was created through it. Everything has its life in it. Every breath every human has ever taken has been given to it by the word. So John is trying to paint this, this cosmic scope. It is the biggest, most powerful thing any of us can imagine. It's been since before time and it will be after time is gone. And then he goes on like this in, in verse nine. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. For, for those who hadn't read Luke chapter two yet and knew the, the sweet little story, they would have heard this and this sounded like a king breaking in. The one who was before everything, who created and who spoke the world into existence, he was coming into the world. This would have been a shock and awe moment. The world can't contain him though. How, he created everything. There's no way he could just come down into it. Like that's crazy. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The king of everything was coming into the world. And the audacity, his own people didn't recognize him or receive him. John's like taken aback by this, like it's crazy. He created them, he spoke them into existence and they didn't even recognize him, let alone receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those that received the presence of Jesus, he gave them the greatest right to become the children of God the word, that, that unthinkable, undescribable presence, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. In, in the message, it says that the word 
became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Again, the undescribable one, the one that uh, Paul describes later as, as the one who lives in unapproachable light, put on this pinchable stuff and moved in next door. This, this would be unthinkable. We've heard it so many times that we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the angels sang and the shepherds came and there was three wise men and their gifts. It was awesome. This is unheard of that he would make his presence known among us, that he would lower himself to live among us. Christmas is about refocusing on the day that light came into the world. The king took up residence, was present in the midst of his people. On that day, not a king, but my king was born, and I receive him. On this day, I remember that it's because of that day that I can receive his presence. That I can say, Lord, I'm so grateful that you are with me because of that day. And that's what it's all about. His presence with me. That same king now lives not with or even among his people, but in his people. Colossians 1.28, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. It's a mystery, even Paul's going, I can't quite put words to it. It doesn't make sense, but here's what I know is true. Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. That the almighty God, the one who spoke everything to existence, the one that John couldn't even quantify, he just went, man, it's, it's the word. It's beyond anything we can describe, but that he lives in us and he's the hope of glory. All this came to be on the day that Jesus entered human existence. The rest of his story is possible because on that day, he chose to come to where we are. Because of that day, the day he chose not to meet me halfway, but to come all the way. On that day, he chose to act on my behalf because I was helpless to act on my own. When he came to where I was, because on that, since that day, everything is different. Because of that day, I receive, I welcome, I submit to the presence of God in my life today. Is this making sense, church? We have to practice regularly receiving the presence of God. There, there is somehow this thing where God lives in me. He's as close as he could possibly be, yet I desire to know him more fully. He's as close as he could possibly be, yet I want to be known by him even more fully. It's this weird thing of when we're in the presence of God, we are both satisfied and starving for more at the same time. His presence is closer than it's ever been, yet I want more. I want to receive it even deeper into my soul. I want to know him more. I want to be known by him even more. There's a quote that I have on my wall in my office by a guy named Mike Breen, who writes a bunch of stuff about discipleship in the church. And this is, this is what he would say is a bedrock, like foundational principle for following Jesus. 
He says, you can invite God into any part of your day. Truth is, he's already there and it's rude to ignore his presence. What he's talking about there is the act of receiving his presence in every area of your life, recognizing it and submitting to it. God, you're present here. It's not, I didn't leave you at church when I got in my car and drove away. You're with me now. I recognize your presence and I submit to it. As I go to work today, God, you are with me even in this. Whether I love my job, hate my job, you are here and you are moving. I recognize it and I submit to it today. We have to receive, refocus on receiving his presence in our lives. We have to allow Christmas to do its true work by receiving and giving presents. Let's look at giving presents. Acts 20, 35, Paul quoting Jesus, and he says, keep in mind the words of our Lord Jesus, for he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's a Christmas verse, right? That's talking about giving bigger presents to people, right? Uh, yes, but no. But even Jesus was looking and going, look, it is way more blessed to give than just to receive. To just receive the presence of God and sit on it is to miss the point. We are called to give out of what we've received. As we receive his presence to our lives and it does its transforming work in us. Let me stop right there. To receive the presence of God into your life, to walk deeper into it each day is to be transformed. You cannot receive the presence of God into your life and stay the same. If that is your story, you missed it. You may have received the wrong thing. You may have heard and believed the wrong story. To receive the presence of God, to walk with him, is to be transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, to those of us that have had the veil, the barrier between us and God, ripped away. And we can now see him face to face. This is the, the intimacy of the relationship that we can have with him. With unveiled faces, we reflect his glory. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. It's the work the Lord does in us. As we walk in relationship with him, we will be made different. And not, here's the thing, it's crazy. Not even just a better version of ourselves. We will be transformed into whose likeness? His. That we won't begin to look like a more polished version of me, but that we will look like him. That when people look at us, they go, what has happened in David, in Marla, in Jay? They don't even look like themselves anymore. They look like a completely different person and it's miraculous. And they begin to see with ever increasing glory this transformation taking place in us. Paul later says it like this in Galatians 2, for I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When people look at my life, it's as though I'm dead and someone else is animating my body. People who know me know that in this situation, I react this way, and all of a sudden they start to see a completely different reaction. They know that they know how I am, they know how I tend to be, they know the things that, that uh, push my buttons, and, and they start to see something completely different. And it's almost as if the guy we knew, it's like he's dead and there's somebody else living through him. 
This is, the, this is what it looks like to receive him. That people no longer see me when they look at my life, but they see him. That when I'm around people, they experience the love of God. Not because I'm so great, but because I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. As we receive his presence into our lives, and it does its transforming work in us, we become the greatest gift that we can give to others. Hear this. Let me say it again. As we receive his presence into our lives, and it does its transforming work in us, we become the greatest gift that we can give to others. Our presence becomes our greatest present. And this can sound super narcissistic. And if I wasn't talking about the living God working and transforming me, it would be. Anybody else that would stand up here and go, I am God's gift to mankind, run. We know this, right? But because of the work, the transforming work that he does in me, as I receive his presence into my life, I become the walking presence of God by which I become the greatest gift that I can give to those around me. It would be completely arrogant if it was anything other than his work transforming me. If it was anything other than me going, I'm dead, he gets all the credit and all the glory. But because that's the case, I receive his presence into my life. His presence transforms me to look more like him. My life becomes him living and loving through me. And the gift of his presence that he gave on Christmas Day continues today. You see, God didn't come into the world as a baby and then leave 33 years later and go, good luck. His presence has continued from that day through the lives of his people. We, we, we love Emmanuel, God with us. And it's, it's kind of been for some reason reserved for this like Christmas thing that we only talk about at Christmas. You won't see it in another song unless it's a Christmas song. Because on that day, God, again, moved towards us. And God moved into the neighborhood, his presence with us. But then we almost like flip a switch and go, yeah, but that's over now. No. God looks at it and he goes, I'm still present on the earth because look at my church. I'm living and moving through them. I'm making my presence known through them just like I did through Jesus. My presence can still be seen. If people want to know what I'm like, for that 33 years, I said, look at Jesus. Ever since, I've said, look at my church. That's what I'm like. Have we been the greatest representations? No, because we're not great at receiving. <laughs> As we grow in receiving his presence, we grow in reflecting his presence, and we become the greatest gift that we can gift to people. So let me ask this. Let's talk for a minute. How should this practically change our approach to Christmas? Christmas is all about all of those other things that we said and the traditions and the, and the gifts and all of that kind of stuff. We know that it's not, but are we still gonna have a Christmas party? Are we still gonna give gifts to people? Like, yeah, all of that is good stuff. How should this change? Again, I wanna hear practically. How should this change how we approach Christmas? 
What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Some of them don't. They don't have to be all completely brand new and all of this. Some some people have a tradition like this, and it's just really leaning back into it and going. You know what? Before we open these presents, let's maybe read the let's read the Luke chapter two account of Jesus' birth, and let's remember what these presents represent. Let's remember what we're really celebrating today. So so some of those things that some may already have a tradition of, some may need to start a relatively simple thing that can have a huge impact in just shifting the way that we view, instead of just ripping everything open, going, man, he gave the greatest gift, and now we just get to celebrate it. Like, this is just an echo of what he's done. That's a good one. What else? If it doesn't make any practical change, then we've just wasted our time. Or we're all nailing Christmas to begin with, in which case you guys should be up here. Okay, this is a time where a lot of people are more, more open, more sensitive. Uh, what's the reason for the season? You know, those kinds of things are about. And so there may be some more open doors now and understanding the point of me being in the Christmas season with unbelieving people is to use opportunities to point them to him. Are there some places where I can tell the story? Are there some places where I can, can share something that may help open their eyes a little bit? That's good. Marla, did you have your hand up? She stole it from you. Sometimes people steal your thunder. Shirley stole mine today. It happens. It's okay. What else? Yeah, one, as I said before, Christmas, this kind of man-made tradition that came, and I think they did a, a good job. <laughs> and one of the things they did with it was the Advent. Uh, there's some very specific pieces of the story or some practical things you can do, like lighting a candle that goes with each of the different days as you tell a different part of the story, or it helps you focus on, wait, 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 let's not get lost in what they say it's about. This is, and it takes, what, five minutes. We're going to sit down and we're going to remember uh, as we get up to Christmas this would have been the day that this happened. This would have been the time we remember this, and it just helps us refocus here. And you don't have to recreate it. Uh, that stuff already exists. Just Google Advent, 
and you'll find they, they have it very well laid out. And maybe it's some simple stuff as, you know what, we're going to take some time as a family and we're just going to focus on this each day leading up because it's going to help us not miss what God's trying to do during this season. Tim, did she steal yours? No. Okay, good. Yeah, kind of, kind of goes with some of her before, but just like people are a little more open, a little more sensitive. And yeah, it's a special thing. It's not just want to come to church with me on Sunday, but a, a Christmas or Eve service, some people are going to be more likely to join in on. And so just taking advantage of some of those opportunities. Yeah, a lot of those traditions were started like were done really well. We're started with really good intentions and were really meaningful. And, and the key now is just, man, those are those are good things. Those are tools we already have. How do we make sure that we make those just as meaningful as possible? How do we, you know, like you said, there's a certain point when we just stop. We're not doing the hustle and bustle anymore. We're getting ready because we're going to go to the Christmas Eve service and we're going to talk. We're actually going to talk and discuss what we heard or what we learned or what the story means to us, whatever it is. We're going to take these traditions that are already kind of normalized for us and we're going to use them for what they were meant to do to refocus, to make sure that we don't miss out. Because tomorrow, Christmas Day is going to be crazy and we don't want to miss it. So let's take this time to refocus. More than 25 years ago, I got to sing the Messiah with 300 people and a full orchestra in a huge auditorium. And when, the, when we sang the Hallelujah Chorus, and the trumpets were over here, and the tuppenies were over there, I was overwhelmed with the thought, this is a shadow of what sure. heaven is going to be like. Yeah. I can't imagine what heaven and glory is going to be like. I have a very pale, watered-down idea <laughs> of it. Sure. And I think that, for me, is part of what Christmas helps me come back to, is... I don't really get it. I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, I can't imagine it with the limited mind that I have. But every year when I hear the, 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 that music, every sure. year when I go to a Christmas party and I think, this fellowship is pale suit, right. pink suit, compared to what we will experience in his presence. Yeah. It pulls me back to that moment of, of for me, a revelation. Yeah. 
I really wasn't getting it before. Yeah. And I still didn't get but a shadow of what it really will be. Right. Yeah, that's powerful to have those experiences that kind of go, man, I, I feel like at this party or in, the, in this event, I got a glimpse of, of what this is really all about. And how do you remind yourself of those? You know, to, to bring those up, man, buy that song, <laughs> play it on repeat, whatever you got to do. I don't want to miss the glimpse that he gave me, uh, the time that I saw it for what it really was. That's good. that's really good. And, and I'm with you. I don't think it's just for Christmas time. Hopefully, again, the whole point of the Christmas season is the refocusing. Short of, okay, we don't listen to this song anymore. Now we listen to this song. You know, so we don't watch these movies anymore until after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Short of those kinds of things, what Christmas is meant to focus us on should carry on. That's the whole point of it. If it was okay, now it's December 26th, everything we learned during the Christmas season we now put on the shelf until next year, what are we doing? All of these things should continue on. Again, it's to remind us his presence in our lives, not just during Christmas, but in January and in February and in March and our presence in other people's lives. It's meant to carry on and it'll probably start running dry by November and we get pretty tired and then next Christmas comes and we go, oh, that's right. This is what I'm meant to be focusing on this year. One of the things that, that I was thinking about, and it ties in very well with that, Andrea, is if, if my presence, because of Christ's presence in me, if my presence is the greatest gift that I can give to others, I should probably start giving gifts differently. What I mean by that is this. I started thinking, you know, one of the things you give to, to a lot of people that, you know, you're friends with and whatever, and you go, man, if we were somewhere different, I'd say, here's a Starbucks gift card, but maybe here's a tip-top gift card or, or whatever it might be. What if instead I started saying, hey, here's a $10 card with your name on it. Let's find a date because I want to take you to coffee. I don't just want to buy you a cup of coffee. I want to go get coffee with you. Uh, looking at my children, Legos is a big thing with my kids right now. I can buy the Lego set, and they're happy to go in their room, close the door, and just do Legos for hours, which I do not get. But what if instead I said, here's a set we're going to build together. So I now have to do the really hard work of carving out time to be present with them, building Legos, because I truly believe that as Christ is present in me, and I'm present in them, they will begin to see the glory of God. That the fruit of his Holy Spirit, born in my life, they'll start to reap the benefits of. That they'll start to see who he really is as I spend time with them. And so how do I turn this gift-giving season, which again is a good thing, but how do I begin to give the gift of my presence with my presence? Not always going to be a doable thing, but to just have that in my mind of going, if I really am the greatest gift I can give to people, how do I begin to live that out? Jamie? Jamie? 
Right. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, she, she was on the other end going, I've received the present of your presence in this way, and I just want to recognize that. Hopefully, then those people would begin to go, whoa, what if I was present in other people's lives too? Would they begin to see what hope really is, what joy really is, what love, what peace, all of these different things? We have boiled the Christmas story down to exactly that, a story. We have boiled the gospel down to exactly that, a story. And what all of these things actually are is meant to be people seeing it lived out in our lives. People should have no clearer understanding of what Christmas is than when they look at a Christian. They should have no clearer understanding of what the gospel really is than when they look at a Christian. They need the story to understand what they're seeing, but just giving the story, just telling the information doesn't cut it. They need to see it being lived out in the lives of his people. Then it will have an impact. We can't separate the two. So as I was, again, going through this, it it just kept hitting me. I give gifts, but do I really give my presence to people? Because that costs something. Now I'm going to have to start carving out time. I'm going to have to start saying no to some things. But if that is what he did for me, gave me the gift of his presence, and that's how he's calling me to love others, I have to find a way. I have to do it. It's what he did for me. So as we kind of bring this to a close, we're going to come to the communion table. Because Jesus not only gave us the gift of his birth, we know that that is the beginning of the story, but it didn't end there. He also gave us the gift of the cross. And the the gift of the cross, we have to understand this, wasn't merely the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is a means to an end. It is not the end of itself. Jesus didn't go to the cross to go, there, fine, you're forgiven, I'll see you later someday. He went to the cross to deal with our sin because our sin was getting in the way of the Father's presence to us. Because of the forgiveness of sins that came by Jesus' death and resurrection, we have been reconciled to the Father. The gift of God's presence to us was made available because of the cross. Christmas and Easter are forever tied together two sides of a coin. God said, I'm coming down to where you are. You need my presence and I'm bringing it to you and I'm going to clear a path for it. Through the cross, he made a way for us. Forgiveness of sins that we could be washed clean. Why? So that we could come into new relationship with the Father so that we could experience his presence, not just around us, but in us. And then we could offer it to others. Because of the forgiveness we've been given, we've been reconciled. The true gift of the cross is the presence of the Father poured out on his people. So what we're going to do before we 
come to the community table, or actually before communion is brought to you, is we're gonna take a couple minutes, and normally we take this time to kind of examine our hearts and say, Lord, is, is there any sin in our midst, any sin separating me from you that, that you wanna deal with? And that's not a bad question to ask now. But what I would love to add to that is at this point, just to spend time sitting where you are, thanking the Lord for paving the way that you could receive his presence into your life. This is a good time to think, where was I when, I, when he found me? None of us is going to be able to look and go, I was doing awesome. I was killing it, and he's lucky I came along with him. That is none of our story. I was lost, and now I could find it. As I think back to last week's story of Jesus healing the blind man, all I knew was this, I was blind, but now I can see. Because of what he's done on the cross, I've now been able to receive the presence of the king in my life. Thank you, Father. So let's spend a few minutes, and just where you are, thank him. It, again, if he brings something up, some, some sin or something that needs dealt with, don't skip over it. Let's spend time just focusing on his presence with us today. Jesus, as we think about the Christmas story, we know the greatest gift was given. You coming as a child to live where we live, to walk with us, to teach us, and to die for us. Your presence among your people. And now, Lord, as we come to the communion table, may we recognize that word, communion, for what it is, that we get to commune with the Father to be in the presence of the Father, to remember the price you paid and the gift that we're able to receive because of it. May we commune with you in this time. May we bask in your presence. May we be overwhelmed by it. And may we be changed by it, I pray. So Lord, as we remember the price you have paid for us. May we be drawn near this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.